Laudetur Jesus Christus, praise be Jesus Christ, and happy Easter, Buona Pasqua, as they say in Italy at this time. Any Italians out there can destroy me for my pronouncement of that. But uh, Buona Pasqua, so happy passing. Uh, and only in America do we actually uh, refer to um, this time as Easter. In all other places, it's the Pasqua, the Passover. So just as the Jews would practice, would um, celebrate the Passover of when they transferred from Egypt into the, through the river um, and the Red Sea and into the desert and eventually the Promised Land, that was the Passover enacted by the Passover, the Lamb. So we celebrated in the Triduum, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday into Sunday, um, now Easter time, the Pasqua of Christ. So his passing from uh, life to death and then eternal life to the Father as our Paschal Lamb to be sacrificed for our sins. So that's just a quick thought on that. I wanted to focus today on a little theme that we were seeing in the readings on today's Mass that refer principally to the idea of ignorance, acting out of ignorance. And we see this uh, in a few different cases where People were persecuting Christ, and the scriptures specifically says they didn't know. So they were doing something that was wrong, but they thought they were doing the right thing. And I think this is something so good for us to think about right now because it really begs the question, how many things am I doing in my own life right now that I think are good? And I'm acting out of good intention, but it's actually wrong. Um, that's something that scares me more than anything else. Because the worst thing to do is uh, to do something that you think is good, promoting Christ and his cause, when really uh, you're working against his will. And as a Catholic priest, that's something that always makes me shudder. Um, so we're going to talk about that in the scriptures, and then just little thoughts on how we can protect ourselves to keep us always acting with divine wisdom, not human wisdom as so often is the difference. So uh, I'm actually read a little bit from Pope Benedict's um, Jesus of Nazareth book, because he explains it better than everyone else. But I'll just grab a few quotes first. First, Christ on the cross himself says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. So he, he asks for their forgiveness, and he gives the motive because they're acting out of ignorance then saint peter in today's first reading of the mass he says now i know brothers and sisters as he's talking to the people of jerusalem now i know brothers and sisters that you acted out of ignorance just as your leaders did again that idea of ignorance comes up he says but repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be wiped away and that the lord may grant you times of refreshment and send you the Christ already appointed for you in Christ Jesus. And then in the gospel, this comes up again when Christ appears to the disciples and even his own disciples, who is most intimate with them than anyone else on earth, he shows that he had to explain his death to them. He had to open their minds to what had happened because everyone could not understand the idea of the Messiah having to suffer. So as he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. He had to die. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that 
the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So again, this idea of he had to die and he had to open their minds to understand the scriptures in light of that, because his death outside of scripture didn't make sense. So there's one very fundamental truth there that truth is seeing reality as God sees it, not according to just mere events and human logic. Judas was acting according to human logic when he betrayed Christ. Peter was acting according to human logic when he was trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. In a sense, even the apostles were acting according to human logic when they fled from those who were trying to arrest them and Jesus. But it, it's a divine way of seeing reality, those who understood that the cross was necessary. And so you don't flee from it and you don't protect Christ from it. You walk right into it. So this is, I'm going to read just a couple pages from Pope Benedict here from his book, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, the first uh, of Jesus's words from the cross spoken almost at the very moment when the act of crucifixion was being carried out is a plea for the forgiveness of those who treated him thus. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That's Luke 23, 34. What the Lord has preached in the Sermon on the Mount, he now puts into practice. He has no hatred. He does not call for revenge. He begs forgiveness for those who nail him to the cross, and he justifies his plea by adding, they know not what they do. This theme of not knowing returns in St. Peter's sermon in the Acts of the Apostles. He begins by reminding the crowd that had gathered after the healing of the lame man in the portico of Solomon, that they had denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted them, which was Barabbas, when given the choice between Jesus and Barabbas for Pilate. He says, You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. After this painful reminder, which forms part of his Pentecost sermon and which cuts his hearers to the heart, he continues, Now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance and did also as did also your rulers. Once again, the theme of not knowing appears in one of St. Paul's autobiographical reflections. He calls that he himself, quote, formally blasphemed and persecuted and insulted Jesus. Then he continues, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. That's the third time we have it. So first with Christ, then with St. Peter talking about, now Paul even says himself, I, I persecuted the Christians of Christ himself, but I was acting out of ignorance um, and unbelief. In view of his earlier self-assurance as a perfect disciple of the law who knew and lived the scriptures, these are very strong words coming from St. Paul. He who had studied under the best masters and who might reasonably have considered himself a real expert on the scriptures has to acknowledge in, retro in retrospect that he was actually ignorant. Yet his very ignorance is what saved him and made him fit for conversion and forgiveness. This combination of expert knowledge and deep ignorance certainly causes us to ponder. It reveals the whole problem of knowledge that remains self-sufficient and so does not arrive at truth itself, which ought to transform men. And that's what we'll come back to in this reflection. 
that knowledge is never meant to protect us from reality and separate us from reality, but is meant to transform us and take us deeper into life as it is. God as he is, the church as it is. Truth transforms us. It doesn't protect us. He goes on, in a different way again, we encounter this same combination of knowledge and failure to understand in the story of the wise men from the East. So this is when um, Christ was born. The wise men came from the East, three wise men, and they came from very far away when Jerusalem was just a couple miles. And yet, how many people came from Jerusalem who knew that the Messiah was to be born? Pope Benedict continues, The chief priests and the scribes know exactly where the Messiah is to be born, but they do not recognize him. Despite their knowledge, they remain blind. So the people with all the knowledge, all the scriptures, do not respond when Christ is born. And yet, these wise men from the East are able to see it. Clearly, this mixture of knowledge and ignorance of material expertise and deep incomprehension occurs in every period of history. For this reason, what Jesus says about ignorance and the examples that can be found in the various passages from Scripture is bound to be unsettling for the supposedly learned today. Are we not blind precisely as people with knowledge? Is it not our very knowledge that is blinding us from the real presence of Christ? Is it not on account of our knowledge that we are incapable of recognizing truth itself, which tries to reach us through what we know? Do we not recoil from the pain of that heart-rendering truth of which Peter spoke in his Pentecost sermon? Ignorance diminishes guilt, and it leaves it open the path to conversion. But it does not simply excuse because at the same time it reveals a deadening of the heart that resists the call of the truth. Okay, so that's crisis forgive them. They do not know. Um, Peter calls them out and says, You acted out of ignorance just as your leaders, but now therefore repent and be converted. The sad thing is we know that the Pharisees, who Christ begged forgiveness for, they didn't convert. They, they remained self-sufficient in their knowledge and they wouldn't uh, acknowledge Christ as their Messiah. So they were not open to it. So their knowledge hardened their heart. But to the others, um, their ignorance became a means for conversion. You didn't know, but now you can change. Same thing happened with the good thief and the bad thief. Two people who didn't know, who uh, blasphemed Christ, but one of them converted in their, from their ignorance. And so it, it always leaves open the path to conversion, but it also reveals, as Pope Benedict says, a deadening of the heart that resists the call of truth. All the more, then, it remains a source of comfort for all times and for all people that both in the case of those who generally did not know, like his executioners, and in the case of those who did know, the people who condemned him, the Lord makes their ignorance the motive for his plea for forgiveness. He sees it as a door that can open us to conversion. And how do we move into conversion? Well, you know, say so the philosophy, the, the the ground of philosophy is knowing that you do not know. And I can tell you as a priest, as someone who's been studying the spiritual life and the scriptures and the church for now 12 years of my life, um, 
I'm just a, amazed every day more and more at my ignorance, how much I really do not know. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't understand at all. And so often all the facts that we can learn can sometimes block us from just the presence of Christ right before us, revealing himself day to day. So it takes a deep humility to know that I do not know everything and I need Christ to continually teach me to see reality as he sees it. And that's where prayer comes in. A prayerful heart cannot be deceived. If I'm continually allowing Christ to come into my heart in prayer and contemplation, asking for a spirit of truth, a spirit of humility, asking the Holy Spirit to open my eyes, then he will always give me that gift. The problem is that truth transforms us. And that's what Pope Benedict talked a lot about repentance and conversion always means a transformation of our being. So we know that truth is really working when it hurts. You know, that's why someone, when they get uh, dissed, you can say, oh, you got burned. You know, it's like the truth burns us because so much of our ideas and thought processes can be like dead wood. It's not given any life. And so truth is a fire that burns all the dead wood of my mind, of my actions away. And that's what leads to conversion and new life, but it's painful. Um, and so it does take humility and it does take a deep love for Christ and truth to enter into that. So the question is, am I willing to be burned? Am I willing to be molded and shaped by Christ, by his loving hand to be transformed by his truth, which is bloody, it's messy, it was the Messiah had to suffer. Not only that, he had to be rejected by his own people. He had to be condemned and spit upon and uh, scourged and then made to carry his cross and crucified and buried in the earth. I mean, that's a very messy truth. Um, but it takes us deeper into what really is. Like, that's what life is. That's who God is. That's what our salvation history is. That's what our story is. And so I think the biggest difference between his truth really transforming me, um, is it taking me deeper into my life as it is in all the messiness and helping me experience Christ right there, his presence in the mess, or is it protecting me from reality? Is it hardening my heart? Is the way that I'm seeing my life, is it hardening me? Or is it opening me up to mercy and grace? in love so I'm going to end with uh, a little prayer by St. Augustine really beautiful one for his prayer for truth O oh, truth light of my soul do not permit the darkness to frighten me you have allowed me to walk in it and now I am in obscurity but even from the darkness yes even from there I have loved you I have sinned and I have remembered you I have heard your voice behind me inviting me to come back. I heard it with difficulty because of the noise of my rebellious passions. Here I am again at your spring, burning with thirst. Let nothing hold me back henceforth. Let me drink as your spring and live. As the heart pants after the fountain, so does my soul sigh for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for you, O God, the living source. When shall I go to appear in your presence? O fount of life, vein of living water, 
When shall I reach the waters of your sweetness in this desert land, dry and full of rocks, and see your power and glory, and quench my thirst with the waters of your mercy? I thirst, O Lord, I thirst for you, living fountain. O fire that burns and is never consumed, and kindle me. O light that shineth ever and is never veiled, illumine me. Oh, if I could only burn with your flame, O sacred fire, how gently you burn, how secretly you shine, how wonderful it is to be enkindled by you. Woe to those who do not burn with your love. Woe to those who are not illumined by you, O true light that enlightens every man, O light that filleth the world with your brightness. I give you thanks, who illumine me and deliver me, for you have enlightened me, and I have known you. Late have I known you, O ancient truth. Late have I known you, O eternal truth. You were in the light, and I was in darkness, and I did not know you, for I had no light without you, and without you there is no light. Amen.